Well, hello there, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thanks for giving the show a listen this week. As always, it just tickles my fancy that you're doing so. Greatly, greatly appreciate it. Question for you. Is it real, or is it a coincidence, or is it simply an internet rumor run amok? That is what we will set out to tackle on this episode of The Exam Room as we investigate Keto Crotch. The alleged smelly side effect of a high-fat, low-carb diet has been blowing up social media like nobody's business. And really, you kind of have to get in there and and pinch your nose to even read some of the stories that have been flooding sites like Reddit. All of them lamenting an unfortunate odor coming from the most intimate of areas. And what's truly fascinating about all of this is that the women who are posting these stories say that that odor didn't even begin to waft up until after they went on the keto diet. And thus, we have the vulgar term for that smell. We're going to be talking about some of those claims and diving into the science behind them with Dr. Christy Cobb, who is a plant-based OBGYN. She's going to be joining us via Skype from her office in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, Dr. Christy Cobb, she is bringing with her years of experience as well as some very interesting research. And I'm guaranteeing you it's going to make for an informative and interesting segment. So here's what we do know for a fact about the keto diet. We know that it is unkind to your health for so many reasons. The diet comes with countless other side effects, none of which exactly will pick you up and make you feel good, or others around you for that matter. And it starts at the top with bad breath. You can lose all the weight in the world, but nobody is going to want to pucker up and give you a kiss if your mouth smells like a garbage can, right? And then, as you'll hear Dr. Cobb explain, it is also possible for your urine to begin smelling like what some call nail polish remover. Ew. And yes, there is also a good chance that you will lose weight in the short term. That's why people flock to this diet. But if the trade-off for that short-term weight loss is putting your long-term health in grave jeopardy, is it really worth it? High-fat diets built almost exclusively on animal products have been proven to be a great way, a phenomenal way, to jack up the likelihood that you'll get cancer or heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and you might even need a high colonic to get things moving again since the keto diet is generally low in fiber. But if all of that isn't enough... And why would it be? Dietitian Lee Crosby from the Barnard Medical Center will also be here to talk about the other side effects that keto can cause. Everything from the keto flu to a bout of explosive diarrhea known in the keto community as disaster pants. Plus, we asked for your questions about keto on social media, and man, did you guys ever come through. We were just inundated with them. You wanted to know how keto can affect your kidneys and your thyroid and what the long-term effect the keto diet has on diabetes. So Lee and I are going to answer all of those plus a whole lot more. But the show starts right now as Dr. Christy Cobb tries to answer the question, can keto really make you stink where you really, really don't want to smell.
My next guest is a board-certified obstetrician gynecologist based in Little Rock, Arkansas. She is a contributing writer for VegSource.com. You may have seen her also in the movie Eating You Alive, and you can find her online at LROBGYN.com. That's a mouthful. You're a very busy, busy woman. With that, we welcome Dr. Christy Cobb to the exam room. Thanks for joining us. Excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Ah, it is absolutely my pleasure. Now, this what we're talking about today, keto crotch. It is a hot topic. It's a water cooler thing. I would assume that you have heard from patients, from friends, everybody asking, is this thing real? Has this been blowing blowing up the water cooler? Well, um, hot topics, I guess no pun intended, but yes, it actually has come up both in social conversation as well as patients in my practice um, before I even saw everything that was buzzing in the media. So what what is your take? Is this a real thing or is this kind of junk science? I know that there is a lot of debate surrounding it. Sure. Um, I'm pretty certain that it has not been proven that the same phenomenon where people are actually breathing out ketones as being in ketosis is actually the same physiologic process in the vagina. I don't think that's proven. Um, that would be a very interesting study to do. But there may be some evidence to support that the dietary choices people make when they're on a keto diet may change the, uh, the pH and the environment of the vagina, which could actually end up causing a, uh, a, a discharge and maybe an odor. Right. So uh, the bad breath that you referenced, I've saw a number of people posting on, I think, Reddit or any one of those other bulletin mm. boards online claiming that, uh, yeah, indeed, they did have bad breath, some discharge, even some malodorous urine. Um, I, I mean, there, somebody said that it, it smelled like nail polish remover. Does that yeah, sound accurate? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So as your body's in ketosis, you will start to... Um, breathe off acid like essentially similar to acetone ketones and that does have a very distinct smell to it um i think when you talk about urine you will also have ketones in the urine that's how some people track their ketosis but we don't check for ketones in the vagina it's a little bit different environment there so i think we've got to separate that into a different category well let me ask you this how much do we actually know about the link between a woman's diet and her vagina you know i know that all of this talk about the keto crotch is really based around one particular study and a bunch of anecdotes but how much do we actually know about nutrition and the vagina not a lot i don't think there's any um drug companies out there offering 500 billion dollars to sorry i had a little power flicker there Quite all uh, right. to, to fund this. I don't think that's anything anyone's getting excited about. But we do know from other chronic diseases such as diabetes that like when blood sugar is poorly controlled, women are more likely to get a yeast infection. So I think there may be some translational information out there um, related to, you know, like diabetes, which is kind of a complete polar opposite sometimes than the keto diet, because that's going to be a a poorly controlled blood sugar. With a keto diet, people are more likely to be eating high protein and high fat and actually low carbohydrates with the goal sometimes of actually moderating their or modulating their blood sugar. Gotcha. Now, you, you mentioned discharge, and that was one that uh, one post stuck out to me in particular that said that this woman was having to change her underpants multiple times per day because of this discharge and this odor. It sounds to me like you're not ruling out completely that this has to do with the fact that she's on a keto diet, but perhaps there's something else going on there? 
Yeah, um, two things to consider. The first one is when people go on a keto diet, specifically if they add intermittent fasting with it, they may be actually better hydrated than they were before. Oftentimes people will up their water game as they're trying to flush that fat out of their body. And just as when you drink more water, you're going to have more dilute urine, um, sometimes better hydration actually improves vaginal discharge to a normal physiologic level. When you start talking about odor, though, um, I think the only study we have right now is actually kind of an older study out of my alma mater. I was no part of it, but it's out of University of Alabama at Birmingham. It dates back to 2007, where they were looking at um, bacterial vaginosis in uh, their population of patients, and they found that it was increased um, in women that had a high-fat diet, specifically a high-saturated fat diet. Uh, in layman's terms, for uh, the listeners that aren't necessarily physicians or practitioners, what is va- bacterial vaginosis? So it's vaginosis, not vaginitis. It's not actually um, classified as a sexually transmitted infection because we don't know exactly what causes it all the time. That sexual contact can definitely increase the risk of it. But overall, it's when you have a shift in the pH balance of the vagina, which then changes the bacterial milieu. So we normally have all sorts of bacteria that live all over our body, and some of them are helpful. Um, Lactobacillus is the one that we think of in the vagina. It makes hydrogen peroxide, and that will in turn make your vagina more acidic. Normal premenopausal vagina's pH is around 4. When the pH starts creeping up to 5 and above, for whatever reason, um, that's going to shift the bacteria that like to live in that environment. And the most famous species for bacterial vaginosis is the Gardenella. This is going to be a bacteria that's more anaerobic. And so the odor that people relate to is more of an amine odor. So amines and ketones are not the same thing. And so they both don't smell great, but they're a different physiologic process. Interesting. I, I want to touch a little bit more on this study. Let's let's go a little bit more in depth in there. What is it again that, that researchers found that kind of keyed in on, on the high fat diet and the effect of vaginosis? Sure. So um, this is actually a, a good study over 1500 women that they followed. And it showed that women that ate more than 40% of their calories from fat had an increased incidence of um, bacterial vaginosis. Um, and then even higher fat was more related to severe bacterial vaginosis. And bacterial vaginosis can be a problem on many levels. A lot of women have it and may or may not be symptomatic, but it can increase the risk of irritation, can actually increase the risk of uh, preterm deliveries, or if people have surgery like a hysterectomy, it can cause you know, infections afterwards. And so it's something that's you know, clinically relevant beyond just you know, making kind of a yucky smell. What are the long-term risks associated with not having any sort of treatment for that? Well, I think it depends on, you know, where you're at in your reproductive cycle. In some studies, you know, there's a huge percent of the population that actually has bacterial vaginosis by the AIMS criteria, but it may or may not be clinically significant. So it isn't like chlamydia, which could increase your risk of pelvic inflammatory disease, which causes infertility and pain. It's not that level of a threat necessarily. And so I think we, we don't necessarily know. There probably needs to be more studies done, especially if we're going to have a bigger part of the population at risk for it if they're following a ketogenic diet. So based off of that one study and obviously the keto diet being high in fat, 
would you recommend that then to patients in terms of risking vaginal health? <laughs> well, you know, correlation doesn't equal causation, and there's definitely not a, an absolute mechanism that's been described between high fat and a bacterial vaginosis. Um, but overall, no, I would not recommend a, a ketogenic diet because I don't think in the long run it is sustainable nor um, optimal for your health compared to other patterns of eating. You know, it, it sounds to me, we keep circling back to bacteria, and it, it kind of makes me wonder, how similar is that bacteria to gut bacteria? Obviously, we're talking about two completely separate parts of the body, but does it kind of generate and just operate similarly, or are these completely separate things here? Well, I like the way you're connecting the dots there. Um, something else they mentioned in the study, actually, was the, the immune system. And so our gut bacteria and our vaginal flora and our immune system are obviously tied together. And you can't help but wonder if you're eating a high-fat diet, which is oftentimes subsequently a low-fiber diet, yes, you're going to see some changes in the natural gut flora. I've heard that the best probiotic ever is fiber. Because as you increase the fiber in your diet, you're going to increase your healthy flora. So it's not that we're not only not making it better, but we're potentially making it worse by eating a high-fat, low-fiber diet for the, for the gut flora. I wanted to also ask you about this. I read that uh, keto diet uh, can, well, maybe not the keto diet specifically, but perhaps a byproduct of it, and that is rapid weight loss, uh, can actually make a woman's cycle irregular or have her period stop altogether. Is that something that you've you've heard about in terms of just I, rapid I weight loss? Actually, yeah. So if your body, you can always remind people, let's back up, you know, 10,000 years. Let's go back to Mother Nature. If a woman's body enters into a state of starvation, you know, Mother Nature, or whatever you believe the infinitely intelligent driving force of the universe is, is probably going to say this isn't the best time to procreate, which can shut down ovulation. So whether you're morbidly obese or you're massively underweight, or just a major shift, you know, in your metabolism, such as going into a starvation mode, which is the not so pretty word for ketosis. It is our starvation mode. That's how we sustain ourselves during times of starvation. It also kind of lends some insight into why people feel that heightened sense of awareness or that keen thinking. If you're starving to death, you probably need to be able to see clearly and think clearly to, you know, keep yourself alive. So yes, it can cause short-term alterations in the menstrual cycle if you don't ovulate you won't have a regular cycle and then if you have rapid weight loss and sustained weight loss that puts you into a um, less than ideal bmi usually a bmi below 18 that can cause amenorrhea which means have not having a cycle for more than six months related to not ovulating um, because the hypothalamus and the pituitary everything up here gets shut down doesn't signal to the ovary you don't make an egg you don't have a period 14 days later and that is just fascinating to me how everything just seems to be connected in the body. I mean, we're told that we are just these incredibly intricate machines. And the more that I speak with doctors like you and obviously everybody here at the headquarters at the Physicians Committee, it's like every day that point is hammered home a little bit more. You know, head, shoulders, knees and toes doesn't begin to cover it. That's so true. It's so interconnected and really a way that makes a lot of sense. You know, it makes sense that I would not need to be creating a new human within my body if I can't even have enough energy to keep myself alive. And so it's actually a protective medicine, uh, protective mechanism. But if women are actually trying to get pregnant, 
you know, I would not recommend them being on a keto diet because that may not be the best thing for their overall metabolism. In fact, I feel like it's not the best thing for their metabolism. What diet would you recommend in terms of fertility if a woman was trying to get pregnant? Well, um, I guess I'm biased because I followed a <laughs> plant-based diet for going on 11 years now, but um, high, fat, uh, sorry, high fiber, low fat, plant-based diet, ideally unchanged or, you know, minimally processed foods. So final question for you, Christy. Say a woman wakes up, she's been on this keto diet for a little while, she notices an odor. What steps should she take? What, what should be the first thing you would recommend that she do? Well, there's a few do nots. First okay. of all, do not ever douche under any circumstance. Second of all, do not try to treat yourself because it could be that you also have something else going on and you just happen to be on a keto diet. So I would recommend that she make an appointment with her health care provider, come in for a physical exam, let them interview her, you know, subjectively, and then decide what they think the right workup is. Because it may or may not be related to the diet, the chance that it is, but it's also a good access point into healthcare to make sure she's being screened for everything else that's appropriate for her age. But don't douche, don't add anything over the counter. You can cause a lot more harm by putting things down there that don't need to be down there. Uh, I always said the vagina is like a self-cleaning oven. It usually minds its own business, so you don't need to add anything else to it. Oh, my God, I love it. The vagina is like a self-cleaning oven. When I tell my wife that, she is going to hit the floor laughing. That may be the quote of the century. Certainly, by far and away, the best quote I've ever heard on this show. Fantastic. You, that's PG enough. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it is. We're all adults here. I think everybody's over 18 anyway. If not, kids, mm -hmm. hit pause. Anyway, uh, Dr. Christy Cobb, thank you so much for your time. This has really uh, been enlightening. Um, I, hopefully, at some point, there will be more studies done on this. I think that maybe with all of the buzz that's surrounding uh, the malodorous side effects of a keto diet right now, perhaps we will see a few more people start to look into it. Sure. And when in doubt, you can always you know, get off the keto diet and try a plant-based vegan diet and see if that fixes the discharge too it's no risk in that amen to that so uh <laughs> you are you are based in little rock arkansas where can people find you specifically um i i'm at baptist health here in little rock uh lrobgyn.com is my website and our phone number is 221-9700 if you're in the area i'd love to be your gynecologist perfect dr christy cobb thank you so very much for your time thanks have a good one Call it keto crotch, call it bacterial vaginosis. Neither sound particularly pleasant, and both are certain to be mood killers. As B.B. King would sing, the thrill is gone. But that's not all you have to worry about when it comes to keto. No, 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 no. Not by a country mile, it's not. As you're about to hear from dietitian Lee Crosby, there is a lot more that can go wrong when you dramatically ramp up the fat and then cut out carbs from your diet. A whole lot more. And all of that starts right now with... Disaster Pants. 
Rolling along here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee, the weight loss champion Chuck Carroll, now sitting across the table from registered dietitian from the Barnard Medical Center, Lee Crosby. Lee, welcome back to the show. Great to be here, Chuck. You know, I can't do these quirky little shows without having you on because you just bring, you are the light <laughs> I the bring party. the quirk. You, you, yes. <laughs> yes. If That's you look up quirk true. in the dictionary, you will see a picture of <laughs> Lee Crosby, RD. Uh, no, but seriously, thanks for taking the time to come in here. Delighted to be here. I know that keto is something that uh, you have researched and studied. You've done a couple of presentations. I have. I have. All right. So then it's good that you're here. I just had a conversation with uh, Dr. Christy Kopp from Ah. down in Arkansas. Phenomenal. She's an OBGYN, plant-based. And so we were talking about the uh, myth of keto crotch. You know, the malodorous side effect oh, that may or boy. may not be caused by the keto diet. Okay. So Fun. she and I tackled that very well. Uh, and we will circle back to that in just a second. But I also wanted to ask you about some of the other side effects that are caused by keto diet. So it gets even more colorful oh, from there, does perhaps. It? I'm not sure so, that that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, get ready. If you're if you have a sandwich or something right now, you might just want to go ahead and put that down. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I just see. Okay. So one of the first and most I don't want to say popular, most common symptoms that you will see with a um, keto diet is again we're going to put air quotes around affectionately known as disaster pants. Okay. I think <laughs> right? I can hazard a guess as to what that is. <laughs> yeah, you can use your imagination. Um, so I'm, I actually have not done keto myself, as you might guess, but we I did look up because it's all over the internet, so I wanted to sort of get it straight you know, from someone who had, had done this and experienced disaster pants. So I went on um, Reddit, and the very first thing when you, when you type in disaster pants keto, this is one of the first links that comes up, and the thread title here, and this is on the R Keto community with 1.2 million subscribers, so a couple people read this. The thread title is disaster pants. Oh, really? <laughs> Are you ready to hear the comment that this person left? By, and and let's, I'm assuming that this could get graphic, so I will ask, this try is to keep it G. PG. Yeah, okay, okay we're going to go with G even. Ooh. So, <clears throat> expletive, expletive, expletive period. <laughs> Today I wasn't very hungry, so I've literally had coffee with MCT oil, a salad with chicken and egg and walnuts and blue cheese, and a large herbal tea with MCT <laughs> oil. My colorful word for poo, is water. Please advise. Too much MCT oil? Lots of question marks. My stomach feels like it's churning itself. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. All right. So for people who are familiar, (laughs) MCT oil is? Is medium chain triglyceride oil. And we will get into that. But before we do, I just want to note that one of the first responses here was maybe too much salad? That, that was a user response? That was a user response. And my answer, no. As someone who eats three large salads a day, even if you don't eat salad and you go to eat a salad, it's not going to have the kind of impact that this person experienced on their gastrointestinal health. Wow. So, um, but MCT oil or that medium chain triglyceride oil is a keto diet sort of staple for mm. a lot of people. Um, and if you go into a slightly more reliable source, the PubMed database, and you put in diarrhea, medium chain triglycerides, you will get quite a few results. And indeed, a lot of studies have found that MCT oil can cause not just diarrhea, but also, get ready, abdominal discomfort, cramping, 
gassiness and bloating. Well, that just sounds like a, the disclaimers at the end of a medication commercial. Yeah, sign me up. Oh, and it's boy. also unbelievably expensive to buy some of these, but we'll, we'll get into that too. Okay, so uh, let, let's, let me ask this again. So we know what MCT stands for, yes. but really, what is that oil? Okay, so it's an oil, so it's pure fat. Um, and medium chain triglyceride, all fats, well, most fats are triglycerides. And so I want you to sort of visualize this, what they actually look like. So think you're holding a pencil horizontal, and there are three chains hanging from it. And there's a chain on either end and a chain in the middle. So three is tri, right, mm-hmm. like a tricycle. Mm-hmm. And then the pencil you're holding is actually a glycerol backbone. So now you have tri, three chains, glycerides. And the glyceride is the glycerol is the backbone. So you have a pencil, three chains hanging off of it. The chains can be different lengths. Each link in the chain is a carbon molecule. I see you glazing over already. So no, I'm move got, on. I got you. I Pass got you. the biochemistry. I got you. No, that's cool. Point is, so medium chain triglycerides are triglycerides that have the chains hanging off of them that are six to twelve links or carbons in length. Mm-hmm. Most normal fats are 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 longer than that. So they're thirteen to twenty one. Well, they actually come in pairs, but they're higher than 12 links on the chain. So these medium chain triglycerides literally have medium length chains hanging from the glycerol backbone, whereas long chain triglycerides have longer chains. Now, why does this matter? Yeah, that's my next question, honestly. <laughs> okay, right? Like, who cares? So the reason people on keto are using these medium chain triglycerides is because they are absorbed more directly into the bloodstream. So long chain fats, they are actually, they're broken down, they're absorbed into your cells that line your intestine, they're packaged back together, they're stuck in little globs, and they're actually dumped into your lymphatic system. Hmm. Fun fact that you didn't know that, did you? I did not. Okay, you guys are learning some, some physiology here. Uh, medium chain triglycerides, they just get broken apart and absorbed directly into the blood supply that feeds the intestines. Wow. Yeah. Well, into the portal blood supply, but that's not a, not critical. Mm-hmm. So they're absorbed much more quickly, and they are much more readily converted to ketones than these longer chain triglycerides. So that's why they're frequently used on a keto diet. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Has, um, this what you're describing kind of reminds me, and this literally just popped into my head, takes me all the way back to, I think, middle school. Oh, bless your heart. Uh, there was something called Olean. And, oh, boy. And, you know, the joke <laughs> between uh, my cousin and I was, yeah, Olean, oh, wow, look oh, how loose your yeah, stool would be. Yeah, because they were the wow chips. Right, yes. right. So it was, oh, <laughs> wow. wow, look how loose your stool would be. That that was it. So, I don't I mean, I know that Olean and Olestra, I think, was the actual yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I believe it was a fat that was designed to be malabsorbed. And we're going to get into this, but that is very similar. I, I don't remember the exact biochemistry of it, but it is a similar effect in that it causes, oh, again, put your sandwich down, steatorrhea, which is, any guesses on what that might be? Steatorrhea? Uh-huh. It's so like stay out of here with that rhea? Yeah, well, really it is. So it's fatty because that stea, that root word is stea, like stea to steatorrhea, so fatty diarrhea. Ooh, ooh. I'm saying that quiet because nobody really needs to hear that. Ooh. I know. Yeah, that sandwich is going to. Yeah, it's going to cut your appetite Lord. this episode. Um, so back to the MCT oils. Uh, right. Why? Why exactly do they cause disaster pants? <laughs> okay, so there are a couple of different reasons. Again, I haven't seen any specific studies on the mechanisms of why this happens, um, but there are some 
hypotheses out there in the, in the research literature. So first, if people are eating a high-fat diet and they add on these additional fats, there can also just be fat overload where your body just can't absorb that much fat. So it gets passed along into the large intestine instead of being absorbed in the small intestine. And that can cause, that is sort of the definition of steatorrhea. Um, yeah, you end up with fats in the large intestine that you shouldn't, and that can trigger um, diarrhea. Um, also, the MCTs, the medium chain triglycerides, have their own, I'm gonna, it's called osmotic effects. They basically draw excess fluid into the colon. Oh. So again, the ones that aren't osmotic absorbed. Osmotic in osmosis? As in osmosis. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's diarrhea. And then the other piece that disaster pants is <laughs> more common than you'd hope mm. is not only do you have all these things, but most people will add this to something called bulletproof coffee. So oh, we've talked about have that. You that? Show. Yeah, we have. I you and I we have. have. Yes, we did. Yeah. Right. So again, it's coffee and butter and then MCT oil. And when most people drink, you know, caffeine coffee, that already kind of gets things moving. Yeah. And then if you add a couple tablespoons of something else that can have effects on your GI system, you can have an additive effect, and you get disaster pants. Oof! Wow. So yeah, yeah, it just doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me. No, I think I'll pass. No. No, I can see why some people would say then that the keto diet is great for weight loss because it's just going right through you. <laughs> I don't think that's the primary um, yeah, thing they're talking about. But And I will say that one company also claims that the six chain, six chain link or six carbon fatty acids are more irritating to the gut than, say, the eight carbon ones. So they sell you know, an, an MCT oil that is only eight chains long, and they don't have any of the six six link long chains that could cause this kind of diarrhea. And again, one of their selling points is that their MCT oil does not cause disaster pants. Yes, because people are going to take the time to research this and determine whether or not the six chains versus eight chains is going to make them spend more time on the commode. Come on. <laughs> I will say, though, I, I mean, maybe, I don't know, they're, they're doing something right because they're getting people to pay $48.95 for 32 ounces of this stuff. What? So you can go check that out on the internet. Forty-eight, almost forty-nine dollars. Are uh-huh. you kidding so me? So fifty right bucks now? for like a quart of oil. Wow. I know that's got to wow. be more than they put in those real fancy race wow. cars. And and, and the th- yeah, so it's it's sold. This bulletproof coffee is as a way to quote boost your energy and brain function. Well, you'll boost something. Yeah. Well, <laughs> boost a rocket. You're gonna cub boost. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Wow. Oh, sorry. I'm just kidding. I mean, really, that because theirs doesn't cost disaster pants. Uh huh. Purportedly. Uh, you know, I'm. I just. I'm not going to try it. I. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, okay. So let's let's look at this. A lot of people. Let's let's put in some numbers that I think that most people would understand, and that's calories. They may mm-hmm. not understand, you know, the number of chains of fatty acids or whatever. Right. But most people know how to count calories. I know that if you go to Starbucks and you get just like a venti black coffee, yeah. I used to drink that by the gallon. Yeah. Five five calories per venti. Uh, yeah, maybe ten if it's a venti. Right. Or, you, know, you know, this is that's nominal difference. But then you look at a bulletproof coffee. Oh yeah, much different. Uh, calorically speaking, four hundred and eighty calories. Oh yeah, and that's every a quarter of your day's need right there. Yeah, so it better provide a lot of energy because oh, that's just you know that's a meal's worth of calories in a cup of coffee that I can't imagine tastes very good. I haven't tried it, but because every tablespoon of oil is about one hundred and twenty calories. Did I tell you the story of of my friend who oh, like introduced me to the 
concept of bulletproof? Oh, I think he did. Uh, you know, I'm yep. at his apartment. No. And, you know, he's, you know, he's a bigger guy. You know, right. he's always talking about, Chuck, you know, one of these days I'm going to catch up to you. I'm going to lose all this weight. I'm like, Fair. cool, man, do you, man. Yeah. Whatever I can do to help you, let me know. Right. He's making a cup of coffee. Oh, boy. Whatever, do your thing. And then he just goes right into the refrigerator and he gets out. I swear to God. God, if I'm lying, I'm dying. He gets out a stick of butter and yep. he drops it right there. And I'm not talking a half a stick. I'm talking a whole stick oh, of butter that's, and puts it right. I'm oh like, Lord. what are you doing? He's that's like, way more than four tablespoons. About to lose weight. I was like, <laughs> oh. what? He's like, no, man, it's really good and it, it helps you lose weight. I was like, how in the world is this possibly? No, man, you just got to trust me. I was like, uh, okay, sir. Okay, yeah. So I imagine that it would make you nauseous. So maybe. Uh, I, I don't know. More power to him. Um, sort of. It, I, I can tell you, uh, it, it didn't work for him. Yeah. What? Yeah. No. I surprise, surprise. Yeah. I love, I love him to death. You know. Oh, of and, course. And I'm not and telling you anything that I didn't tell him. Oh to no, his face I know. Either. And it just makes it kind of breaks my heart because again, it's not, it's not helping people's health. So right. even if they do manage to lose a little bit of weight, the long term risks that come with that short term weight loss, because there's no evidence that this has any more impact doing keto than other ways of losing weight long term. Sure. What it does to people's health long term does have an impact. So that's why I really, really encourage people to have a whole food plant based diet. Stay away from these sort of like faddish stuff that, again, if it doesn't make any sense at all, there might be a reason for that. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's another school of thought, though. Uh, some people think that keto diet has the opposite effect of disaster pants and can actually back you up and cause constipation. Which it can, yeah. So for a lot of people, if they are not eating much fiber, which a lot of people on a keto diet are not, I admit now some people will just load up with non-starchy vegetables and maybe they're getting enough fiber. But if they're not, yeah, constipation is definitely a side effect. Now, I should say not everyone on a keto diet uses MCT oil. Sure. But even if they don't, a keto diet can still cause either constipation or diarrhea, depending on how well they absorb fat, particularly if they've had any gallbladder issues or pancreas issues, they're not going to absorb fat well. Even if they're eating a high load of other fats, that can still cause some some diarrhea issues mm. or constipation if they are more sensitive to not having fiber. So, so what I'm hearing is your chances of being regular are slim to none? I actually, I don't, you know, may, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's my uneducated <laughs> hypothesis right there. That is actually an educated hypothesis. I would give that an educated guest status. Oh, well, thank you. Stamp of approval. All right. Seems reasonable to me. Look at me. I'm on my way to being an RD, boys <laughs> There you go. Uh, another side effect that we do hear a little bit about, and I think maybe you and I may have touched on this in a previous episode. Oh, just sort of skimmed over it. Keto flu. Keto flu. Yeah. That, again, none of this sounds like a good time to me, but, yeah. but okay. So again, ketosis is a state your body goes into typically in an emergency when there's a, you know, a period of famine and food is not readily available. This is your sort of emergency backup system. So unsurprisingly, when you're asking your body to shift into this state, it doesn't love it. So this is, again, known as keto flu on the internet because it's a series of symptoms that start as your body makes that shift into ketosis, which happens about two to three days after you start eliminating or greatly reducing carbohydrate intake and eating more fat. 
And it's, again, not a medically recognized condition. You can't go into PubMed and enter keto flu and expect anything to come up because I tried just on a whim and nothing happens. Um, but it really has some some very unpleasant symptoms that have been documented in the literature, even though they aren't called keto flu. So these include a headache. So this was a low-carb ketogenic diet. More than half of people experienced headaches on this. Interesting. Constipation and diarrhea, which we've talked about. Can I say ad nauseum? Oh. Hey, now. Insomnia and back pain. The insomnia I want to talk about a little bit because, like, what's that, right? That that seems to be kind of an outlier wild card here. Why? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the sort of, again, hypotheses on why this happens is that the switch to ketosis triggers your body to release cortisol. Now, that's a stress hormone. What right. does cortisol do? Do you know? Uh, is is that the... Pop quiz, Chuck. I mean, I'm going to come save you. All right. So yeah, it does yeah. a lot... Yeah, you. <laughs> I'm so with, mean. With the degree. Um, so it does a lot of things, but one of the things it does is raises blood sugar, which is what your body would really prefer to have because again your central nervous system it your brain right here in the notes i know i gave you a cheat sheet but you're yep. just deer in the headlights Whatever. you know it's gonna handle it um can't handle the pressure chuck yeah, i can't oh gracious so anyways that's one of the things <laughs> that it does but it also will keep you awake gotcha. so that's a possibility and then also this was not in the this particular paper but fatigue and muscle cramps come up over and over again just doing an internet search it's kind of anecdotal yeah evidence. yeah so possible reasons for this so dehydration is a top one so you eliminate you go through your stored carbohydrate which is called glycogen mm-hmm. once you go through that and you usually go through that within the first day or two um you also get rid of all the water that's stored with it so glycogen and that's one of the reasons sometimes when people go on a keto diet and they lose a bunch of weight in like a day or two they're like oh this works great what they really did was burn through their glycogen and then peed out all the water that's stored with glycogen. So So you're not burning fat. (laughs) That's right. So good job. You just got rid of a bunch of water and your backup supply of glucose. And another thing is that um, for fatigue and muscle cramps, you can have, and you probably do have, inadequate micronutrient intake, especially the potassium that's Mm -hmm. found in, in fruits in particular, also vegetables, and low potassium can lead to muscle cramps. Um, fatigue, there are some effects of keto diets on thyroid hormones, which I think we'll probably touch on a little bit later, but that could also be a potential link to fatigue. That's my that's my hypothesis. Man. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a whole heap of fun. It's not. I'm not seeing an upside. I you know, it, it just it, re, it reminds me thinking back to the the myths and facts episode that we did about the keto diet. Mm-hmm. Um and really what it came down to is that the only thing that this diet has been scientifically proven to benefit is children with epilepsy. And, and adults with epilepsy. And, okay. It will reduce – it absolutely reduces seizure frequency for okay. a lot of people. Right. That's a very small subset of the population. Correct. And again, I, I just – my heart it, – it just hurts for people because I know, I know people are turning to this because they are just – they're desperate. Right. They're just desperate. They right. want change and they're going to try anything. And the problem is that this anything could have some really serious risks along with some very uncomfortable side right. effects. Right. Yeah. You know, I was having a conversation with um, somebody else in this. Eric O'Gray, mm-hmm. um, you know, who also lost a tremendous amount of weight. I was having a conversation with him recently. And really, it, it comes down to people look for this magic formula to, to lose weight and there, there isn't one. No. Like it's it, the answer is so simple, and it's what you're taught as a very young person. You know, eat your fruits, yeah. eat your vegetables, 
and move. And that's really what it boils down to. It and, really is. You know, nutrition is 80% of it, in my opinion. And then for know, most people, exercise yeah. is also critically important for overall health. But, you know, in terms of weight loss, like it, it starts and stops with what's on your plate. And it's that simple. Yeah. I it's mean, you can't simple. you can't exercise away a bad diet for most no. people. And even if you can, your inside's still not healthy. No. And you know how long it takes to run off a Big Mac or oh, something gracious. like that? Yeah. If you've ever tracked your physical activity or anything inside my fitness pal and you look at the number of calories burned for like an hour of doing some activity, it's like, oh, right. You know, <laughs> it's so sad. So it's like, you know, burning 500 calories that's you know no small feat but at the end of the day it's like that's one cup of bulletproof coffee yeah oh yeah oh not even <laughs> i so, mean yeah that's perspective right there it really is um i want to circle back to the malodorous side effect that i was talking about with dr christy uh, christy cobb earlier in the show and she she brought up a study that um referenced um bacterial vaginosis and that is what they think that uh, the, the best guess anyway Correct, is that right. that would be what the actual keto crotch is. <laughs> yes. Um, Trying to keep a straight face when you say that. Right. <laughs> what researchers found was that a person who eats foods that are rich in calcium and folate and vitamin A hmm. have a reduced risk of developing bacterial vaginosis. Calcium, folate and vitamin A? That makes me think dark leafy greens. I know. Oh. And here we have the fiber queen fitting on the disaster <laughs> pants show. Yay. Uh, but anyway, so I thought real quick, uh, it would be really good to do kind of a refresher on some foods that are higher in calcium, folate, and vitamin A, just so people kind of get an idea of what they might want to yeah, be looking absolutely. for. Yeah, absolutely. Let's and, do this. And oh, by the way, let's say that by no means is this a way to circumvent the system no. and say, hey, well, it's okay to do keto as long as you eat these foods. No, 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 no. I don't, you know, as we just discussed, and and this is my personal opinion, I'm not speaking for the organization, I'm only speaking as Chuck, I don't see a lot of upside to this diet. I honestly don't. Unless you have epilepsy, I'm not seeing a whole lot of upside to this. And even if you have epilepsy, the, the goal is to get people back off of this way of eating as quickly as possible. Right. So this is not... If someone needs it for long-term use, it can be done. But this is sort of the last resort measure, not the first thing that people try. Gotcha. Because it is, it, it does carry risks. Gotcha. Um, so when in terms of calcium, just as a refresher, how much are we supposed to be taking in every day? So we are looking to take in, it depends, it varies a little bit by age. But um, for men and women in that sort of 19 to 50-year-old range, we're looking for about 1,000 milligrams per day. Okay. And that upticks a little bit when you get into the sort of postmenopausal years for women. So 51 to 70, you're looking for 1200 milligrams a day. And then at age 71 and older, we're getting 1200 milligrams a day for men and women. Gotcha. Uh, let's talk about some plant-based foods. Easy to get your calcium from. No, you do not have to eat dairy to get your calcium. That is a big old myth. That is indeed a myth. And actually, some of these greens, with the exception of Swiss chard and calcium, um, Swiss chard and spinach, which you don't absorb calcium from very well, these other greens, so things like collard greens and turnip greens, you actually absorb that calcium better than from milk. Really? Fun fact. I did mm -hmm. not know that. Yep. How about that? Yep. Uh, so uh, what's, uh, what's on this list here? All right. So we have calcium set tofu, half a cup. You're getting 861 milligrams of calcium in that. That's a lot. So that almost takes you up to the full day's, you know, calcium the RDA that right there. Like it's been fortified? Is that basically what that They means? use a calcium-based, I can't remember the exact substance, but to, to set the tofu. Okay. So basically it's, it's like a set soy milk. 
tofu. Ah. So they use a calcium. I can't remember the exact thing, but they use a calcium-based substance to make that setting process happen. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So that's what raises that. Collard greens, one of my favorite veggies of all time. Two hundred and sixty-eight milligrams of calcium oh, in a cup. Collards. In a cup cooked. Yep. yep. Um, other greens, like I mentioned, mustard greens, a cup cooked, you're getting 165 milligrams, and also beans. So white beans, we're looking at 161 milligrams. Soybeans, 261 milligrams, mm. and that's in a cup cooked of both of those. Figs, kind of fun if you're into figs. I had some earlier today. Excellent. Now, you got to eat 10 of them, and I don't think that's probably going to be like a hardship tour for most people because figs are delightful. They are. 136 milligrams of calcium. That's but again, your beans and your dark leafy greens, with the exception of Swiss chard and spinach, are your calcium superstars. People are going to wonder about kale on this list. Uh, 94, right? 94 yeah. Oh, it's still great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but collard greens win. Just saying. They do. I mean, collard know, greens I are the collard new greens, kale. But just like a little bit of vinegar on them, man. They're delightful just, any which oh, way. Oh, so good. You can also do it with a little teriyaki sauce. People don't do that much, but oh, man. The southerner in me has not done the I'm teriyaki sorry. collards. I mean, I know. I hear you. I've definitely done the sort of liquid smoke and the garlic and the onion and all yeah, that, and yeah, a little yeah, vinegar, yeah. and that's great. Okay. But if you need to change it up. Just try it. So you Trust just me on this. boil them down, add a little bit. Well, you saute them a little bit. You saute them a little water and with some onions because onions. And then, <laughs> sorry, onions are delicious. And then you just pour in a little bit at the end of cooking and saute it for another 30 seconds or a minute. Confession so time. good. I have never and will never enjoy onions. Dear God, man. And that is why I will be happily married for the rest of my life because my wife, Julie Wright, hates them as much as I do. Aw, you guys are so cute. You hate onions together. We, that's what we bonded over. <laughs> that and the fact that we're both from the Hampton Roads area. All right. Well, yeah. then you, how about garlic? Do you feel okay about garlic? I have no problem whatsoever well, with garlic. Hit, hit them up with some garlic. There cool. you go. Yep. Done. So done. Yep. Uh, what about folate? Oh, folate. Again, the root word is foliage. It comes from dark leafy greens. But actually, you're going to sense a pattern here. I know. It's true. Look at at you. (laughs) I know. I'm a a word nerd, too. But it actually is higher in beans. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I know. I know. It's a little mind-blowing. Soybeans, edamame, again, are superstars here. Um, A cup of these guys, we're looking at 358 micrograms of folate. I should probably let you know what you need. And for, for adults, it's only... 400 micrograms per day. It's not oh, that much. Oh, so. man. So you're, you're pretty oh, yeah. much good in one shot. Oh, there, yeah. Huh? You just knock okay. it out of the park. Lentils, same 358 micrograms. Again, that's mm. like a cup cooked. So you have a cup of cooked lentils. You've practically had your RDA for the day for folate. That's so, easy to do if you have any sort of stew. or. Oh, yeah. And anyone anything. on a plant-based yeah, diet, sure. I mean, you're covered immediately. Yeah. So, you know, you have a cup of beans on something and then you have yeah. a serving of greens and you're done. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, what else is what about beets? I love beets. I discovered I'm, dehydrated beets and they're good. I'm leave that to you. No. Yes. Lee Cross beets downstairs. In oh, the store, they have dehydrated beets. No, I'm sure they do. Oh, they're so sweet and so delicious. Good and sort of taste like dirt. Just a little bit. Just a little no. bit. No. Yes. Are beets your onions? They kind of are. Oh. I've tried. I've tried to like them. And I like one shredded beet salad with like a mustard, Dijon mustard sort of vinaigrette, not vinaigrette, like a thing. That's the only way. (laughs) I don't know how to describe it. It's like a sauce, but you stir it in. Anyways, it's like a weird beet slaw with like a Dijon mustard. Anyways, I can eat them in that context. Mm. That's about it, man. Interesting. Mm. All right. So we digress. Yes. (laughs) We move on. Uh, All right. So beans and greens also for folate. 
Sensing a theme there. Yeah. Uh, vitamin A, last but not least on the list. All uh, right. Let's start with how much we should be getting of that every day. Okay. So the amount you are looking to get for that is, oh, man, these are in a weird unit. So it's, I believe, it's retinoid equivalents, retinoic acid equivalents. So you want to get 900 of those if you're a man and 700 of those if you're a woman. If you're eating a plant-based diet, you're going to knock those so far out of the park. It's not even funny. Um, so Pumpkin. I know it's Love not pumpkin. quite the right season, but it's kind of oh, but always you can get the canned season. Pumpkin I know, right? Anytime. Yeah, thank you. So, and this is in micrograms, so it's a little different, but 1,906 micrograms in a cup. <laughs> you're so covered. Pumpkin. You're covered for days. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that they one to one correlate, but you're still, you're going to get plenty. Yeah. So, basically, anything orange, if you're not surprised, it's going to be really right. loaded up with vitamin A. So, carrots and Butternut sweet potatoes squash. and all that stuff. Yeah, butternut squash. But again, we have the dark leafy greens. There we go. Because hiding under those green pigments are the orange pigments, like, you know, when the leaves change colors in the fall yeah. and how green leaves have those other pigments. Right. So, spinach and kale are right up here on the list 472 and 443 micrograms per half a cup of cooked of each of those. That's awesome. So, you can see why I so dearly love dark leafy greens i see grape leaves are also on this list i love me some grape leaves where does one even you know acquire you ever, them is, isn't that called like dolma isn't well it? i mean when they're filled with tasty stuff yeah. they're called dolma yeah but i mean i've never just bought grape leaves i haven't either but i'm happy <laughs> okay, to, i was like did i miss something i'm, I'm happy to eat <laughs> dolma that well, is wrapped in ditto. a grape yes, leaf absolutely it is so good once yep. it hits your lips so true uh, all right. Uh, before we let you go, I uh, wanted to do something fun here and take a couple of uh, user questions. I know that you hopped on the old Instagram here recently. I did. And, uh, told people, hey, I'm going to be on the podcast. Yep. Let's get some questions. Uh, let's do this. Shocker. A lot of people interested in the keto diet. <laughs> Just a few. Uh, fact. Fact. Uh, have not disclosed this fact. Um, the first keto diet episode that you and I did, mm-hmm. far and away, the most downloaded episode we've ever done. Really? Yeah. I'm sure it has nothing to do with keto diets and everything to do with how amazing we are. It's all you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the it's keto. It's all you. Uh, I mean, people, I, it's, it, I mean, this is such a buzzy thing right I now. Just, I just, I, it'll, it'll fizzle out eventually, but for right now, I just, yeah. It, it's, it's the thing right now. You it know, really these is. These fad diets, they, they come and go. Yeah. I mean, I walked into one of the few remaining bookstores, which was actually an Amazon bookstore, but there, it was at least still a physical bookstore. And it, it was interesting. Brick and mortar, huh? It was brick and mortar. And there were, there was like a little side shelf and most of it was actually sort of plant-based vegan stuff. And then there was this giant swath, like floor to ceiling kind of thing of keto cookbooks. Yeah. And again, if this weren't so harmful to people's health, I wouldn't care as much. But this is this is some risky stuff. Yeah. So. The podcast market is also flooded with keto podcasts. I know. I look- Everyone wants a quick fix. And it's just it's just. It, it concerns me. I was looking at our, our rankings yesterday, and we were sandwiched right between two keto podcasts. And I was like, <laughs> I don't even, huh? Okay. I don't, I don't want to be in this keto sandwich. Like, <laughs> can, can, can we get like 50 more downloads and get us more? Yeah. Anyway, uh, first question yes. coming from uh, at plant, plant underscore munch on Easy the Instagrams. Uh, they are asking about the dangers of the keto diet uh, with regard to kidney function. So that is an excellent question. Um, so just so you know, do you know what kidneys do? What do your kidneys do? What's they their filter, job? They're, they're filters, right? That, they are filters. So they are filtering the toxic stuff out of your blood. That's right. the technical term. Yeah. And they put it in your urine so that your body can get rid of it. Mm-hmm. All right. So we got that established. Now, excess nitrogen, the primary source of that is having loads of protein. Um, excess nitrogen is a waste product. 
So your body needs to get rid of that. It packages it into a molecule called urea, like urine, which your body gets rid of in the urine, right? Same root word there. High protein diets, which is actually what most keto diets look like in practice, although technically they're not supposed to be high protein. Any high, Anything you look at in keto on the internet, they're eating a lot of animal products and meat. Um, so high protein diets, of course, are going to have a lot of this urea formation, a lot of nitrogenous waste. Um, but they also are going to give you high levels of uric acid, particularly for ones that are high in animal protein. And that's also a risk factor for gout. So that's sort of a side thing. I just want to put that out there. If you've got gout, a keto gut diet is probably a really extra, I want to say it's a really extra bad idea. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, but back to what this can do to your kidneys. So now we know we have all this extra nitrogen waste floating around that your kidneys then have to deal with, right? Okay. So what happens is that you have increased levels of urea, the nitrogenous waste in your blood. It triggers something called renal hyperfiltration. Sounds kind of sci-fi, right? That, yeah. yeah. Is, uh, is that a Twilight Zone episode? <laughs> That's fancy doctor speak yeah. for your kidneys got to work really hard. So it really just makes your, your kidneys go, you know, extra extra hard trying to get rid of all this extra waste to the point that it's in the literature all over the place. So this is a 2014 meta-analysis of 30 studies. So it was over 2,000 people analyzed across all these trials looking at high-protein diets. And they found that when people went on a high-protein diet relative to either a low-protein or a normal-protein diet, they the filtration rate of blood through their kidneys significantly increased because mm. your kidneys have to get rid of all this extra waste. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we imagine, the urea levels in the blood increase because all that nitrogenous waste has to go somewhere. Again, protein, lots of nitrogen. Um, uric acid, that's sort of a side point from animal proteins, but that also increased. That's the gout risk. And also they increased their excretion of calcium in the urine. So that's some pretty solid evidence that these um, diets can injure your kidneys. And that was basically the conclusion that the authors drew. Mm. Also, fun fact, increased risk of kidney stones. I was, I was wondering. I was like, yep. okay, I was, we have to be getting to stones at some Oh, point. my gosh. Yes. So yeah. elevated risk of kidney stones on a high protein, particularly high animal protein diet. Ouch. Wow. My yeah. dad had kidney stones, I think, twice Ooh. in his life, mm. and uh, he said that was the only time in his entire life where his face turned basically green because he was in so much pain. Yeah, I've only I, I worked in an urgent care clinic one summer long, long ago, and it was we had a gentleman come in and he he went back out on a stretcher. He was in so much pain. Oh, that poor yeah, guy. yeah. He had to go to the ER because they were going to have to do the lithotripsy stuff, but it was <laughs> oof, brutal. Brutal. Uh, So we talked about kidneys. Somebody else wrote in. They were asking if there was any research that had been done on keto's effects on the thyroid. So, you know, this was a great, great question. There's actually not a ton of data on this, but there is a little bit. So they have uh, linked a decrease in T3, that's one of your thyroid hormones, to low-carb, high-fat diets. And then pretty recently, this was a 2017 paper, they were looking at kids who were being treated for that sort of drug-resistant epilepsy. So these are kids ages 4 to 10. Again, there's just not a lot of data going here. But they looked at 120 of them, and they were on keto diets anywhere from one to six months. It's not very long. No, not very long at all. No. And hypothyroidism was diagnosed in 20 of these kids. So that's about 16.7% of them in six months or less. And they're getting put on Synthroid, basically. So clearly this is not 
advantageous for your thyroid health. That's at such a young age, too. I know. So, and again, if you're having seizures most of the day, then this is, it's a risk-benefit analysis, and the benefits might outweigh the risks, but for otherwise healthy people to just go on this, it is just not worth it. Um, No surprise, somebody else wrote in, they were asking, uh, they said, quote, some say keto reverses type 2 diabetes. We hear a lot about that one as well. Right. Say it reverses type 2 diabetes, but will it last if you stay on the diet long term? Well, if you almost never eat a carbohydrate again or eat very, very little, you will have low blood sugar for as long as you stay on the diet. That's true. But you're also going to be at risk increased risk for things like colon cancer and heart disease. So you're sort of making a frying pan fire trade-off because Mm. what's happening here is this diet controls the symptoms of type 2 diabetes, a keto diet, but it doesn't, the blood sugar symptom, but it doesn't get at the root cause. Hmm. So again, a lot of people have this misconception that high blood sugar is the cause of diabetes. And it's like, no, no, high blood sugar is the symptom, right? So Again, it's actually the fat that builds up inside liver and muscle cells is that's believed to be one of the primary drivers of this. There are multiple drivers for type 2 diabetes, but that's but that's one of them. And again, keto is going to improve blood sugar in that because there's so little glucose coming in, there's going to be very little in the blood at all. Right. So, but that underlying insulin resistance, the fat that's inside the muscle cells and the liver cells that prevents them from responding to insulin, and again, the role of insulin is to lower blood sugar, mm-hmm. that, that problem is still there. The only potential exception is if someone lost a substantial amount of weight on a keto diet, they might be able to get at that underlying cause. But the answer is we don't know. Now, we do know that on a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet, we can start improving that insulin resistance in a very short period of time, even if the person doesn't lose weight. And there's some really cool trial on this where they took some gentlemen with type 2 diabetes and they put them in a metabolic ward, put them on a low-fat, vegetarian, or mostly plant-based diet, and they basically fed them enough to keep them at the same weight. And half of those guys in the space of, I want to say it was a month, I might need to check that, but were able to discontinue their insulin. Wow. And again, all they did was change the kind of food they were eating. It didn't require any weight loss. And we know they tolerate these healthy, longevity-promoting carbohydrates like fruits and veggies and whole grains because that's what they were eating. Right. So it really, it just, it goes to show that this, you know, a whole food, plant-based, lower-fat diet helps to clear that fat out of the muscle and liver cells and get at the root cause. So I think of it like this with keto for type 2 diabetes. Let's think of type 2 diabetes. Let's say you step on a nail. All right. That's type 2 diabetes. Ow. The symptom is ow, right? The symptom's pain. So you can fix this in a couple ways. You can take a Tylenol. What's it do to your pain? It makes it go away. It makes it feel better, right? And that's what a keto diet's going to do for type 2 diabetes. Your blood sugar, it will go down. But there's still a problem. There's still a nail in your foot, right? So <laughs> the goal is to not have a nail in your foot, not to dull the pain. Right. So a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet is equivalent to taking the nail out of your foot and letting the foot heal. So then you don't have pain and you don't have an underlying problem. Fascinating. Yeah. Well put. Pretty cool, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, a couple more questions real quick. I know that we're running out of time. Uh, at D. Pika writes in, can you compare a vegan keto diet to a meat-based keto diet? Is the vegan keto diet okay in the short term? Well, at last check, there is actually no vegan keto diet study. There was an eco-Atkins study, which looked at a low-carb but not low-enough-carb to be keto diet. And it did have better outcomes than a standard animal-based 
keto diet in terms of LDL and that kind of thing. So I would say it's better, but I still wouldn't say it's good. Gotcha. I, the answer is we just, but to be fair, we don't know. But my my inclination would be to say just from what I know about biochemistry and physiology, that is probably not great. At Joel underscore Vanderlyn writes in, they say that the body doesn't actually need any glucose to function. Is this true? That is malarkey. Oh. Yes. So your red blood cells can only function on glucose. So at the very least, you need it for those. And again, your central nervous system and the rest of your body prefers to run on glucose. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, at Shell Zoo, why are people losing weight on this diet? Well, like we discussed, people do lose weight for a couple of reasons. At first. Water weight. Water weight's a biggie. So people think, yay, I've lost weight. And also, it gets boring. It's not that fun to eat this way. So, and obviously, things like the Bulletproof Coffee, that can make people nauseous. They don't feel good. If you're having keto flu, do you want to eat? I didn't feel good just watching somebody drink it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hashtag disaster pants. (laughs) Um, At Nut by Mom. That's that's kind of a fun name. Sure. At Nut by Mom. Could it be a way of life for a healthy person? No. Next question. Yep. Uh, <laughs> final question. <laughs> uh, at Lutch Riverside Guild, is it safe for 18-year-olds? Interesting. Let's just pick an age. Well, I would say, uh, if you're 18. No. 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 Is it safe at any age? Uh, unless you have drug-resistant epilepsy. Mm, and even then, it's a trade-off. No. So no. No. Yeah. All right. Uh, at Lee underscore Crosby on Twitter, at Lee at VeggieQuest on Instagram, you are a wealth of information, and you are a real-life person who is available for consultation upstairs at the Barnard Medical Center. That is correct. BarnardMedical.org is the website for that. Do you get a lot of people come in and they're asking you questions about this? Maybe they're hearing it from the About keto? Or they, they're on that famed Reddit thread? Um, I have, and I usually see people after they've tried keto and it hasn't worked. Ah, mm-hmm. okay. So I do see it. A decent number of those. Gotcha. And I'm happy to be there to help them get back on the healthy track. All right. If yeah. you're in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, come on in at barnardmedical.org. Lee Crosby, thank you very much. Glad to be here. So, the keto diet. Is it worth it? Is it worth the diarrhea, the bad smells, the increased risk of all of those diseases? That is a question that only you can answer. If you like this episode, I would highly recommend going back into our archives and listening to another keto show that we did last year. That one was called Keto Diet, Myths and Facts. It's a 60-minute dive into the popular and highly controversial diet. And as a matter of fact... As a matter of fact, my friend, it became our most downloaded episode to date. So you and your friends will definitely have a lot more to talk about after listening to that one. My thanks to Dr. Christy Cobb and dietitian Lee Crosby for joining the show today and bringing a wealth of information with them. Hopefully, we were able to answer a lot of the questions that you had. And if you're still curious about something, go ahead and message me. I'm on Facebook, or you can find me on Twitter, at Chuck Carroll, WLC. The same for Instagram, and that's Carol with two R's and two L's, the WLC standing for Weight Loss Champion. I always enjoy reading your messages and talking to you all, having some nice exchanges on there. Some of the stories that you have shared are beyond inspiring, and I'm so touched that you would take the time and think enough to share them with me. Super appreciated. 
You can also follow the show and the Physicians Committee at PCRM on Twitter and on Instagram. It's at Physicians Committee, spelled out. There's a ton of research also that we have posted on the keto diet on our website, pcrm.org. If you want to be a keto diet detective, roll up your sleeves, dive into that research. Man, there is years worth of it up there. It will keep you busy for days. All available right at your fingertips. And before I go... I wanted to remind you that if you haven't already subscribed to the show, please go ahead and take the time to do that right now. Only takes a second. We're on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Shoutcast. Wherever podcasts are available, that is where you will find us. New episodes full of fun, information, inspiration. They are released each and every Wednesday. But for today, that's going to wrap things up. Put a nice little bow on this keto show. For everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, keep it plant-based. <laughs>